he knows that she wants him to do, to do the dishes. And he's like, I wish she would just come out and tell me that she wants me to do the, the, the dishes. Wouldn't that be a thousand times easier if I didn't have to, like, guess she, if she would just tell me? And what I say to the guys in that situation is, you know she wants you to do the dishes, then she communicated. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Men. I'm really excited about this one because, um, honestly, I think it's going to be kind of a surprise for me. I'm not exactly sure what um, my guest is going to say, so it's going to be an adventure. I am here with Ken Blackman, who has been teaching about dating and sexuality relationships for 18 years and is a sex and relationship expert. He is also an author coming out with a book soon called Powerful Woman, Confident Man, which we're going to talk about. I'm really excited to hear about that. I think that's a powerful combination. And he's coming to us from Las Vegas, Nevada. Hi, Ken. Hi. It's a pleasure to be here and talk to your audience. Yeah, I'm really glad to have you. Um, So today we're going to be talking about... uh, how to date powerful women, how to date and relate with powerful women. I think there's a lot of, um, I think a lot of my listeners, that's probably their quote unquote type or a kind of woman that they would love to date. And yet there seems to be some kind of blocks sometimes in the way of that for men. So I'd love to hear sort of your perspective and thoughts that you have around how men can date and and have relationships and sex with powerful women and have it feel really good for them. Right. Well, so, um, where to, where to start? I guess where I'll start is, um, that in, in working with people over, you know, you know, the, the last couple of decades, there's this pattern that I got to witness again and again and again, where, a woman has kind of a breakthrough and all of a sudden she recognizes all this, all the places where, um, you know, maybe she's been, she's been, uh, needy or, or, you know, kind of, kind of broken and in need of taking care of or all these things. And she kind of has a breakthrough where all of a sudden she's, she's confident. She, she steps into her own power as a human being, um, she uh, is self-assured. Maybe, maybe she she's successful. You know, she's in ownership of her own sexuality. And so, I've gotten to witness this change that happens in the relationship when she steps into that place. Mm. And it told me a lot about you know there are, there then there are lots of women who who have just chosen to live that way that's how they are it isn't like it's anything new that's simply how they've chosen to to live and 
what I noticed would happen in this in the relationship, and this is where I started to really kind of understand that the man who has been her her confidant, her confidant, her champion, like the guy who's most on her side uh, in being successful, maybe in her own business or in stepping into the world in a bigger way, the instant she does that, he starts to collapse and he doesn't, he can't really explain why, but all of a sudden he is very destabilized by her sudden blossoming into the very thing that she, that they both had agreed she was supposed to be. Interesting. And they, a lot of times they are, they're not, they, they have a lot of trouble coming up with why this is like it's they it's they don't know why they meaning the couple they meaning the the guy the man who who should be ecstatically happy Mm. for who she's becoming and and is struggling and what's happened is he's become accustomed to the role that he was in when she was struggling and he doesn't know how to be with her now that she's blossomed, now that she doesn't need that type of support. Interesting. And, and so, um, you know, a lot of the guys that I that I talk to when when they're confronted with a woman who's like really successful or just really very confident in her way of being, or or you know, like has. Uh, sovereignty over her her sex, loves sex, and is in charge of it. You know what? It, the big question for guys is, what do I do? What What is it that I have to offer her if I'm not, you know, if I'm if my role isn't to be the provider or the producer or the caretaker or you know any of those things? What it, What is my role? Yeah. So what is that guy's role? And. And by the way, I want to um, finish this thread. I'm really interested in what you have to say about the people that are already in relationship. And then I want to come back to kind of for the men that aren't in relationship and, and the women that aren't in, in relationship, what it's like to approach or date one of these kinds of women. Because what you're describing is right. a couple that's already relating, they're already in a relationship of some kind, whether they're committed or married or anything like that that their their relationship is basically shifting as she comes into her power what happens to him and then i want to come back to what it what this looks like in a dating context totally and just so you know like that the only reason i started there and with the couple is because that's where i started to see the two dynamics and how it needed to change yeah like i am talking to the guys out there who meet a woman and they don't know you know should i be what, what should I do? Like, should I be the super macho guy that, that like is so strong and powerful related to her that, you know, she can just relax and, and take on the, the quote unquote feminine or submissive role because she's so strong in her life and maybe she wants a strong, powerful, masculine strength type of guy who she can just finally take a breath and relax and he's got this, right? Like, yeah. There's that. But um, what I saw in practice is that in the long term, if he's fallen into that as a role, as a role, 
then he struggles with any show of power or strength or confidence or leadership on her part. Like he doesn't know how to, how, he doesn't know how to be any other way than this. Yeah. So it's kind of rigid. Like this is all I do. This is what I know how to do. This is all I can do. So it's confusing when you try to lead. Yeah. He ends up subtly belittling her to keep her in his place or insulting her or keeping her like he, he becomes attached to her being small. So that doesn't work. That's yeah. not the answer. Yeah. Then the second option is, well, she's, she's together, you know, maybe she need what she needs is a super strong or a super like supporter type guy. Like, you know, I, I've got your back. I'm behind you. You be, go be the, 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 the leader in your, in your world and, and tell, tell us, you know, whatever it is that you want, I'm willing to do, you know, I'm your biggest supporter. Yeah. And so that can feel really good for to her for a short period of time. But in the long run, she misses having someone who has their own strength, power, you know, like, yeah. God, I wish this guy would disagree with me or argue with me about something. I don't even know why I'm fantasizing about that. <laughs> he would just like, I wish we would fight. There's something missing in the way that he's always so accommodating, right? Yeah. Yeah. You so you saw both of these patterns in your work. Yeah. And and so I'm talking about the patterns that 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 we attempt to use that aren't quite right. And I'm, I'm heading towards what, what the alternative is. I'm getting there. Yeah, totally. No, I definitely want to hear about the, the what it looks like when it's not working, too, because <clears throat> I think that's familiar to a lot of people. And I think it's sort of like you said, when you're in it, you're like, I don't understand why why isn't this working? I'm trying to be the strong, powerful man, and I don't get why I'm insulting her. I'm cutting her down. This doesn't make sense to me, but I can't seem to stop doing it. Or I don't understand why this isn't working. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. I'm, you know, I'm doing the nice guy thing. I'm helping. I'm, I'm her biggest supporter. I'm, you know, I print out all her documents. I'm there at every conference or whatever it is. I don't understand why this relationship isn't working, right? I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. Why isn't it working? Everything she asks asks for, I'm doing. Why isn't it working? Yeah. And then there's... The, the majority of guys who are kind of not at either of those extremes, but they're just kind of intimidated by her. Like they don't know how to be with her. Like she's, she's an anomaly and they don't know what to offer her or how to be with her. So as I, as I started to see what works, what worked in my life, what worked in the lives of the guys that I saw who were, who were successfully having really good, um, like fulfilling relationships, passionate, you know, I kept coming back to this, this idea of confidence and it isn't arrogance. It isn't like this fragile arrogance where his ego needs to be, his ego is, is fragile and needs to be propped up. It's not that kind of arrogance. It's, it's not only the confidence to take the lead, like he's not, he's not so intimidated by her that he's afraid to take the lead and like take a stand or take her somewhere or handle her. Yeah. But it's also the confidence to be able to apologize, the confidence to be able to, to say, uh, you know, to, to get into an argument and then have his mind changed and say, Oh wow, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. You know, the confidence to be able 
to support her without having his ego be be threatened by her 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 greatness. Yeah. So all of that, I started to to see this this kind of relaxed, easy confidence that comes from his that's sourced from his own self esteem. And so that's one piece. And the other piece is around intuition. Hmm. And um, that, um, like, guys, what guys, uh, the way guys uh, you know, kind of thwart their own intuition is by either needing an instruction manual, wanting there to be an instruction manual. For women. Or, yeah. <laughs> like, if you tell me what to do, I can do it, right? Yeah. I've definitely heard that from, from guys. Right. And so what they don't realize is they, just the part of their brain that is looking for that instruction manual is the part of the brain that they have to turn off for, for enough to start to recognize that they actually have a perfectly functioning, very accurate spidey sense intuition if they would just trust it and listen to it and believe it. Yeah, and I'm I'm guessing that this is partly has to do with an intuition that comes from the body and not from the mind. That part of it is being present in the body. Totally. And so I'll give you a couple examples. So this one usually lands with with guys. So so guys, see if if there's something akin to this in your life. So let's say they're let's say they're in a relationship. And um, he knows that she wants him to do, to do the dishes. And he's like, I wish she would just come out and tell me that she wants me to do the, the, the dishes. Wouldn't that be a thousand times easier if I didn't have to, like, guess she, if she would just tell me? And what I say to the guys in that situation is, you know she wants you to do the dishes, then she communicated. Mm. Interesting. Right. Instead of just with her words, there's other ways of communicating. Right. And so there's lots and lots and lots and lots of ways that when guys start to look at this, they start to become aware that they do have the answers. They just don't trust it. They're scared to, to trust their own, that own spidey sense. And I told the guy, you want, like, if she, if you know she wants you to do the dishes, do the dishes because you want that spidey sense. That's the same spidey sense, you know, that, that scene, I've talked about this, but that scene in the movies that we see all the time where they're arguing, they're fighting, and then he grabs her and he kisses her and he throws her on the bed and they have like amazing sex. Like, how the hell do you know when it's the right time to do that? Yeah. And, but, you know, what I noticed in my arguments, there would be times when I would get, get into an argument with a woman and my cock would be like raging hard. Mm. And then there would be times when I was in an argument with, with a woman and, you know, like my testicles would be trying to climb up into my body cavity. It could be like, the, it could look the same on the surface, but if I pay attention to how it feels. Yeah. She is communicating to me all the time. And if I just stop expecting it to be delivered to me in proper man speak, you know. Yeah. 
men have this highly sensitive two-way communication the same as women and they just are trained not to use it. Yeah, I totally agree. I've oh, I've been surprised and I, I guess I've just been surprised over and over and over at how intuitive men actually are because I think you're right in our culture we're trained to think that women are the intuitive ones and men are sort of stupid and and dense and I have not found that to be the case I've very often been stunned at how intuitive men are whether they're guessing about something that I'm feeling or whether they're just reading the moment what I find is exactly what you said which is that most of the time they don't trust it so they're sensing it, they're experiencing it, and they're not speaking to it or responding to it. And I can say as a woman, that's really painful. Like when I find out after the fact that he knew that I was upset and he didn't ask me about it, it's very puzzling to me. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I thought you were just cooking away in the kitchen and you had no idea. And he was like, oh no, I could totally tell that there was something wrong. And I was like, well, then why didn't you like ask me or like reach out? Like, I don't understand what you know, what the block is there. I don't know if you can speak to that at all, but why, why is it that men don't trust that intuition? We've been trained. We've been trained. Uh, we've, we've been conditioned, first of all, that we don't have that skill and, and not to trust it, not to use it. And we've been trained that our value is in being productive, being stoic and unemotional and, you know, steadfast and strength and power and, and all that stuff. That's that's our value, not in being sensitive, feeling human beings, which is really what we're talking about. Like the yeah. same part of us that can sense that she's angry is the same part of us that feels hurt and feels yeah um, gets you know sen- is a sensitive, exquisitely feeling human being, and we've been trained those are weaknesses or, you know, like those, all those things are wrapped up in together. Like they, they kind of go hand in hand in this not positive way, in this negative connotation way for men. But the thing that, that men forget is that's like, we come to relationship in order to feel something like what the reason you have this woman in your life is to feel something. Mm. Yeah. And also what you're saying is what I, what I have found to be true is that those are the men I want to be with and be around are the men that are in their bodies and are using their intuition and aren't afraid to speak to it and say like, Hey, I'm sensing there's something up. Let's talk about it. Like, that's who I want to be with. That's (laughs) that man is more likely to keep me, to get me and keep me than, than the other version. So, which brings me to my story, which relates exactly to what you just said, which is, you know, so here I am 20 years ago, I'm a software engineer, I'm working at Apple, I'm successful, you know, by most managers, I'm terrible, terrible, terrible with women, like every way that you can be wrong, (laughs) you can be not skillful with women, it was me, like I was, I was unconfident I was needy, I was whiny, I was ungrateful, I was, you know, unskilled in the bedroom, I was intimidated. The be- the cooler, more more amazing she was in any, like, attractive or, com- you know, confident, intelligent, capable, the more intimate. Like, I, everything was wrong. Mm. Every, everything was wrong. 
And my story was, you know, I'm not tall. Like for your audience that doesn't know me, I'm five feet tall. Like I'm five foot zero, five <laughs> foot. And and so I'm not tall, I'm not handsome, I'm not wealthy, I'm not athletic, I'm not charming, I'm not outgoing, I'm like all this list of things that I'm not, and I am hopelessly unattractive. To this me. is your story, because some of this isn't yeah. true knowing you, but yeah, go ahead. Right. So that was my story, and I kept women at such arm's length that it simply perpetuated the story that I was hopelessly unattractive. So yeah. once I started to see... None of the qualities that I listed, A, they may not be true. Like there, I didn't see it. I was blind to it. But there were women who were attracted to me. I just was so so down on myself that I wasn't. I literally non-confronted that they, that there were actually women out there that were attracted. To me. Yeah, like having glasses on that that just were opaque. Like you couldn't see it. Right, and that self perpetuates all those stories. And so, as I started to see that. First of all, none of those things are, are like, not one of those things is what's in the way of me having great relationships. Like, how I feel about myself is gigantic. It's really huge. Like, once I started to like myself and, and just have this confidence, then I noticed, A, I felt very different for women to be around. And B, I started to open my eyes to, you know, what, what was what had probably been there the whole time, which was none of those things are, are in the way of me having great relationships. And now I'm the guy that women bring their tall, handsome, athletic, <laughs> charming, wealthy, outgoing man to to learn the pieces he's missing that are in the way of him having them having the relationship they know that they could have. Yeah. Talk to me about how you, how the hell you made that transition. That's a massive transition that you're talking about going from one, uh, from a state of not feeling confident or not feeling attractive, not feeling good enough, all of those things to a state of confidence. So I, I want to preface by saying, uh, Every, you know, every guy can find their path and it might be different from my path. So this is, I'm strictly talking about my own path. Right. Necessarily. But my path was, so here I am. I know that there's one area of my life that is not working the way the others are. And I know that I'm getting, you know, I need to do, I have to do something. About it. That's women. That's the area that's not working. Right. Okay. Exactly. So, so, um, I start looking around and um, I come across um, a, a class that teaches men and women about female orgasm. So I could learn how a woman's clitoris works. I could learn about, you know, how how female orgasm works. Yeah. And this was like a this was like a a, a, a teaching like a teaching that had been going for for a few decades already by the time I, I came across it like it was you know pretty established it, it was pretty established and so um, I found that I could put my finger on a woman's clitoris and at some feeling level I kind of knew what to do like I was I wasn't I wasn't bad at it. I was pretty decent at it and so there was this long period of time, during which I still 
couldn't look a woman in the in the face and have like a conversation with her. Like I, that, that was still too confronting. But I could put my, I could look at her pussy. I could put my finger on her clit and know what to do. And and um, and so just to to clarify this for people because. Uh, I think there's a lot of people wondering right now, like, how did you get to her pussy if you couldn't look at her face? <laughs> like, how did you get, what was the step between? Yeah. But this was within the context of a class or a course where this yeah. was part of what they were teaching, right? So it was like a paired exercise. Yeah, and there were women who were there who wanted, you know, who wanted this too, right? They were there too. And so actually I should say before that class, what happened was, um, I went to to a just a, a, a talking a talking class, and what I and all of a sudden I was in a room full of women who were being who were talking about their experience in a way I had never heard women talk about. They talked about like this is going to sound weird, but it was foreign to me that a woman enjoyed sex. I only understood women having sex in ex- for the man in exchange for something else that she wanted. Yeah. So the idea of women talking about liking sex, enjoying sex, like getting, getting off on it, like really for its own sake, for her pleasure, that was new. And to, to be around women who were just simply honest about liking that and wanting that. And so among this group of people, uh, people who were taking this class, it was, um, I was, I was attractive to them just by virtue of my interest in wanting to learn how to do this. That in itself was enough for them to see me as different from most of the guys that were out there. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point too. I've heard that from multiple men where the first time they hear that women actually like sex, it's like this mind blowing moment. And I think that speaks again to our culture, which there are all of these unconscious messages that we get about sex. And I believe that one of them is that women don't really like it, that women have sex with men to either provide sex to them because that's what a good wife does or, you know, a good woman does, or she's just doing it to get something else, like to get um, money or to get, I don't know, favors or something that this isn't what we consciously think that we think, but I've heard it from so many guys that I do believe there is an unconscious belief in our culture that women don't really like sex and that they have it for reasons other than their own pleasure, their own desire, their own wanting of it. So I think it's, yeah, really important to have podcasts like this and and places where women can say, like, we do really like sex and we really want good sex. Like, that's something that we really, 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 really want in our lives. It's not something we're being pressured into or forced into. Um, like, we really want that. Yes, 100%. And, and I am dedicated to dispelling that the, the vestiges of that myth in, in our culture mm. like out there. Like, the two things that I, that I say to guys is, you know, number one, all of this struggle that you're having around this or that or the other thing goes away if you, if you actually start recognizing and believing that women want sex just as much as you like that. So much of your dynamic as a guy changes when you just realize that, that one thing. And secondly, that, uh, oh, sex with a woman who's genuinely enjoying it, who's really getting off and your capacity to, 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 to give her pleasure makes the sex that the, that you're, you know, the guy's experience 
so much better that like I, I, and all the guys that I know who have gone through this transition, like once I started experiencing what sex could be like with a woman who was actually enjoying it, who was act, like my capacity to pleasure her and her capacity to, to fully drop into her own enjoyment that in itself changed my experience that I became obsessed with just that. I became obsessed with my partner's pleasure as the route to my pleasure. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think that's really powerful because a lot of what I've heard, I've heard that from men too of like, holy shit, I didn't know how much better it was when. I put my attention on her and she's having a good time. Like now I'm having a great time. Whereas before it can be mechanical or rote or just kind of disconnected. It's like the game changer is masculine attention when it's done well, really opens her up and then she's having an incredible time. And then it's like a virtuous cycle where it just keeps getting better and better. Right. So there's this really, there's this really important, admittedly important conversation going on in the world right now about Me Too and uh, sexual harassment and consent and boundaries and all that stuff and and not to take away from that. Like, that is an extremely, extremely vitally important topic. Mm -hmm. But for me and for the people that I work with, it ends up that that is... Consent is way too low a bar. Like, the bar is actually... What am I doing to pull forth her desire? Like mm. uh, when the when the conversation switches to what when the conversation is what can I do to get her to say yes to sex? The best I will ever, the best I can ever hope for is her willingness, her 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 permission for me to fuck her. Her consent. Yeah. What consent means when when that when we throw that out the window like that is too low a bar and i'm not interested in sex with a woman who, who you know who you have to convince uh, who i have to convince but but her desire like once i once i truly know in my heart and know in my in my felt sense that women like and enjoy sex and my attention is towards what it is that women like and learning to do that, what they don't like and learning not to do that so that there's genuine desire. It's, it's so, it's such a different experience for me that, 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 that is my, that is my low bar is that's my low bar. Yeah. You're saying that you, you want to be putting attention on a woman such that she's tugging you into the bedroom and is like, I want you, I want this rather than you trying to force her or convince her or or somehow get her to say yes, that she's like, let's do it. Like, I really want you. I want this. Which That she's saying that with her body and she's saying it with her words and she's communicating to you like, I want this. I want you. Instead of you being the aggressor basically and trying to convince her to get into the bedroom. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so before we keep going on that topic, I just want to go back to, I want you to keep explaining how you got from the unconfident state to the confident state. The first thing you talked about was, um, taking this class and then, and, and can, what, what else happened? Yeah. Thank you. Because that is vitally important. That was, I wasn't done there. So, um, at it, it, first of all, it gave me, it, it dispelled a lot of mystery 
uh, about women's bodies. It gave me uh, an experience of connection with women that was just unto itself, like just that. Hmm. I got a chance to experience a connection that felt good to me, like I enjoy doing it. And then, miraculously, women started to talk to me and tell me their thoughts and their feelings and their experiences. And, and I felt like I had this window into the inner workings. Like, up until that point, women were mysterious. Like, they were, they, they were mysterious um, they were impossible to understand. They were moody. They were unpredictable. They were like an enigma. Yeah. And I, as I started, as women started to talk to me and, and tell me truths and honesty, and, and I was willing to listen, like I was a sponge. I had no, I, I fortunately had no, nothing to, to unlearn. So um, I started to see that women aren't, mysterious at all that they're actually extremely sophisticated in the realm of feeling and that I was benefiting by cultivating my own capacity to feel in the way that women were naturally better at or had more permission to mm. so I actually could learn instead of a woman wanting a woman to communicate like a man I needed to learn some of the skills that that she had as a sensing feeling human being and um, and so that, that opened, that opened a, a door to, to a kind of connection that, that had been unavailable to me up to that point, like genuine friendship, right? Genuine, like we like each other, we know each other. I had only experienced that with men. Yeah. I never experienced it And, and that helped develop your confidence is kind of what you're saying. Can you say more about, about how, Why? Yeah, so I want to say something else about the confidence piece, which is uh, I am I am attributing some of that to to my changing relationships with women, but I'm kind I it's kind of misleading because really my confidence had way more to do with how I felt about myself, and if there were parts of myself that I didn't like, then then that was important and that I should make changes, and so as I started to do. As I started to do and be and become a man that I felt good about being, that really changed my confidence with with myself and with women. And how did you do that? Um, there was little things like, um, you know, every time I got away with a lie, uh, I... I could feel good about whatever benefit there was to having lied, but the cost to me in terms of how I felt about myself, I started to notice stuff like that. Like I started to notice that those kinds of things were very costly to how I felt about myself. Hmm. So there are ways that I just, you know, things that I didn't feel good about myself, I started to have to clean up. And as I cleaned those, those things up, um, you know, uh, that started to, to build my, my, my self esteem, my, my, how I felt about myself. Well, what's an example of something that you cleaned up and was part of the reason you were doing all of this stuff because of the personal growth work you were doing or what was prompting this growth? Um, the personal growth, it wasn't like I should do it. It's just that, 
um, as a result of the personal growth I was doing, the it, it, it the the whisper of maybe you shouldn't do this or maybe you know like got loud enough that it was intolerable. So I yeah. no longer could, you know, like any of a thousand things. Like it could be that you know I. I, I cleaned up my finances or I cleaned my room or I, you know, I, I, uh, gaslighted a woman and then I didn't have to, I didn't have to, to tell her the truth. I could have totally gotten away with it, but I just made a decision that I was going to tell her the truth so that she wasn't, I wasn't dealing with an insane human being and insane. I mean, someone who's believing a delusion, right? Like if you lie to somebody, you may get away with it, but then you're living with someone, you're interacting with someone who is insane in the sense that they are, they are, they're living and acting according to a, to a delusion. So it became more important for me to tell the truth, even though I didn't have to, so that I could live with someone who, who was sane in that way. So little things like that, just clean up, clean up, clean up, clean up. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like when you say gaslighting, what what would be a small example of what what does that mean when you say you were, would gaslight a woman? Like you were upset and she would say, "Are you okay?" and you would say, "Yeah, everything's fine." Like that kind of thing. Or she would yeah, she would sense something and I and I would lie and get away with it. Lie, lie meaning deny it. Like, "No, I'm not upset. Everything's fine." Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I'll give you, you know, like the the the, the classic example. So I'm dating a woman. I get a text from my ex. It's a really emotional, chargy text. And we have an, a text exchange where we talk about how we felt about each other, how we feel about each other, and that there's still feelings there. And I say, you know, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not available to, to pursue anything with you anymore. I, I totally acknowledge that we have these feelings. And, you know, there was, it was a wonderful exchange, but not something that I'm going to tell my current, my current, my current partner. Like I could totally, she sensed something yeah. and I gave her a story and she believed the story and it could have ended there. Boom. It could have ended there. Um, I actually had a strong incentive not to tell her, um, you know, like, why would I draw, why would I literally introduce problems into my current relationship by bringing up something that I she's she's happier better off not knowing right like I yeah. had every reason to tell yeah the that's the story that you were telling yourself was that she would yeah. be better off not knowing yeah but the reason that I told her is because she sensed something and I sent her off I wanted her to know that her senses were right Yes. Because my sanity, my, my ability to sense women, my ability to, to, to seemingly have ESP with women comes from a thousand women who were willing to tell me the truth, even if it was uncomfortable to them. And so I wanted my partner, my girlfriend, to trust her felt sense when it's right. I didn't want her to start thinking you know, I'm feeling this thing and it, maybe it's wrong. Like I didn't, I wanted her actually to have a, uh, an accurate spidey sense. And the only way to have a partner that, that has an accurate spidey sense is to be honest with them, even when it's uncomfortable. Yes. 
Yes. So in that instance, you did end up telling her what happened. Yeah. Can you tell me a little about what I'm finding really interesting about this particular conversation is that what you're saying is that as you were honest and cleaned up things like that, it built your self-esteem. It built your confidence. I think that's a really important takeaway because it's, I think what you said is really critical, which is in circumstances like this, I think a lot of men are like, why would I say something? It's just going to cause problems. She's better off not knowing all of the, the, the things that men tell themselves about why not to tell the truth. And what you're saying isn't just, it's the right thing to tell the truth. It supports your partner, but it's also, it builds your confidence. It builds your self-esteem. It creates a man of integrity. Absolutely. Yeah. I used to hate that word integrity, but it is so critical and crucial because it, it, it impacts how I feel about myself and that impacts how women experience me and how I relate with women. Yeah. And the fact that I can look myself in the fa- in, in the in the mirror and and feel good about the man that I see, like that is that is huge. And so yes, all those things had to do with how I felt about myself. And there was a period of time like early on, like I could totally like it was all about what I could get away with. Mm-hmm. And I could get away with it, but that wasn't the point. The point was, um, you know, this this deeper thing that 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 became available to me when I started to 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 live from integrity, live from integrity. Yeah. And how did that story end when you told your girlfriend about the exchange? She was she was upset. She was glad. Um, certainly, she was glad that you told her. She was glad that I told her. She was glad that her her feelings were validated that you that you were honest and that what she'd picked up on was was validated by you. Yeah. She was she was upset that I didn't immediately tell her. Of course, I probably would be too. But but more importantly is uh, she she because of experiences like that she knows that she can trust me. She knows that I that us getting to know, like I'm going to spend the rest of my life getting to know her and she's going to spend the rest of her life getting to know me. And, and that, um, she, she has this kind of implicit trust that when, that, that she can, she can trust me. Yes. Because you're going to tell her even if it's uncomfortable. I think that's the the piece that's really important because I think a lot of men are like, well, I don't want to say anything because it'll make it worse or she'll get mad at me or she doesn't need to know. And what you're saying is when you told her it, yes, it was uncomfortable. And the upshot at the end of the day is that she actually can trust you more. Absolutely. And there's something else that I, I I don't think I've said this before, but as we're having this conversation, I'm starting to realize. So I was talking before about how men are trained not to pay attention to the felt sense. And this is one of those cases where um, I, it was, she's, she's going to have this spidey sense. And if I lie to her, what I'm doing is I'm fogging her, her, her feeling muscle. Yeah. And I want her to have a really exquisite feeling muscle. And I want to have a really exquisite feeling muscle. And that also is a really important 
component of of truthfulness. It mm-hmm. just keeps us both sane, and that's how you develop the sensitivity to like you know when something's going on with her. I I know it instantly, like instantly, and she's the same way with me, and I want her to know. Yeah. So that's 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 kind of this deeper thing that that honesty gets you is we're together because of how because of feelings and so if you want to become an exquisite feeling human being then this is part of what's necessary to do that yeah so that's really interesting about that being a critical part of your journey to confidence is that it, it sounds like it wasn't like one huge revelation or one big workshop you took but a bunch of small moments of being honest and cleaning something up if you made a mistake or if you hurt someone's feelings or if you weren't totally truthful in a meeting that you went back and cleaned up all these things and cleaned up your room and cleaned up your finances that cleaning up all of that stuff it's like a lot of like a thousand small steps became ultimately you being this confident man right that's that's exactly right anything that i didn't feel good about myself about let's do something about it and so it it became important. All those things became important just from that, from how I feel about myself. Yeah. And, and feeling good about myself allows me to, you know, have the confidence to tell, to, to call a woman out when she's being mean, to call a woman out when she's being a bitch. Yeah. You know, like I don't have charge. I don't have ego. I, 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 I just have this relaxed, sense of who I am and, and self-esteem and, you know, to tell a woman that I, that I'm attracted to her, even in a risky way that she may not be like all of those stem from this piece around confidence and how I feel about myself. And all of that stems from what I've done to feel good about me. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a, probably a good, um, transition point to talk about your book because, the t- even the title is pretty um, telling. The c- title is Powerful Woman, Confident Man. And can you say a little about what you what you mean by that pairing? Because I think you mean something other than just one single couple. You're talking about a shift in, in all of us in our relationships, right? Yeah, you know, we haven't had really... We, we honestly have not had a model for how men and women should relate to each other since the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that model was, he's strong, he's the, the, the provider, and he's also the rational one. He's the logical one. He's the, the, the reasonable one. And she's the emotional one. She's nurturing, she's loving, and she's, you know, she's the source of love in the relationship. Yeah. And even though, you know, it's been decades and decades and decades since that, like, we're not aware of how much, how deeply ingrained those old, old, old beliefs are. Yeah. And so what happens when she's confident? And that's not the dynamic, you know, that's not always going to be the dynamic. Hold on a second. That's okay. I just got a tickle in my throat. (laughs) It happens. Um, Okay. So, 
I started to see a different way of for men and women to relate that's a lot more playful, a lot more dynamic, a lot less rule-based or guideline-based, and a lot more um, intuition-based, confidence-based, co-creation-based, you know, like two people who are creating a life together. Yeah. And so that's really the basis of, of what I talk about in the book. And a lot of it is, you know, I'll describe a dynamic and I'll say, does this sound like you? You know, is this what you're experiencing? Well, have you ever thought about it this way? Like, here's a different way to think about it. Does that like open some doors for you for a different way of relating? And so that's kind of the basis of the book. Yeah. And, and I'm curious if we go back to the beginning when you were talking about the, the man who feels like the two roles for him are either I'm the strong protector one who is kind of rigid actually. And that's all I can do is be, be strong. And when she steps into her power, I denigrate her or the helper guy who's like, I'll be right behind you. Like I'll help you. I'm right here. Um, how do those guys shift into something else? Do you talk about that in the book or can you just talk about it yourself? Well, I talk a lot about the, basically the things we've been talking about, which is what does confidence really look like? And the, the amount of flexibility you have when you're a confident man. Yeah. And, and intuition and getting guys to become aware of how much they actually do know, how, how much like broadband communication is actually taking place that they tend to ignore and just start actually giving it credence and listening to it. Um, the role of passion, meaning, and by passion, I'm not just talking about in the bedroom. I'm talking about passion, the original meaning of that word, meaning really intense feelings, like feeling strongly. Mm. Um, what, you know, what happens when passion, like if you're fighting a lot, um, Let's look at that in terms of how passionate both of you are and and as a positive what what can come of that of all that that intense intense strong feelings that both of you guys are having like let's let's not have it be that you guys fall into smooth no bumps you know boring nonviolent communication blah 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 like you you kill all of the passion that's that exists between you but actually make you skilled mm. at being passionate with each other. Like if you guys are going to fight, fight like MMA fighters, you know, like fight clean, you know, fight to the end and hug each other when you're done, you know? So, does that, does that actually, does that actually work? Like, cause I know you work with couples and, and mm-hmm. you said that, well, before we started, you were saying that there are two sort of versions of the couples you work with. One is that they're in crisis. I'm assuming those are the passionate <laughs> ones and then the second genre of couples is ones that just kind of sense there's something more available that they they have a good relationship but there's there's greatness available that they haven't gotten to yet when when you've got the passionate couples that are fighting a lot do you actually do you find that they are able to get that passion and and channel it into something productive yeah i absolutely don't like we i want them to know where their boundary is, like, if you cross this boundary, I am, I, I am so reactive 
that I don't feel like I have any control and I either want to like rip your face off or I want to run and leave this relationship. Yeah. So it's important to know where that line is. And that's part of what you um, three talk about. That's what we talk about. But I, I absolutely, I, I, I looked him in the, in the face and say, my goal is not for you guys to become less passionate. Like my goal, like you, that is one of the most valuable qualities that you can have. It's just that you guys get into this um, cycle where you're an echo chamber of trigger. Like you're triggered and you do things that trigger the other person and then they get triggered and they throw this ball, this growing snowball of trigger back at you and you become this total echo chamber of trigger. Yeah. And it takes one of you... um, to be stable so that you can have an intense conversation, but not in a way that you're destabilized and triggered and, and out of control. You know, like there's a difference between, there's a difference between anger, even rageful anger on the one hand and uh, contempt and vindictiveness and like saying something just to hurt the other person, right? Those are damaging to the relationship. Yeah. And so if you can make that distinction where you can feel, I don't want you to, suppress your anger i want you to feel your anger and say i'm fucking angry and have that distinction between that and the part of you that that would deliberately hurt the other person as a result of it that that's different right that's different right i make these little subtle distinctions that allow them to to be able to stay in and feel their passion without you know, like to fight clean. (laughs) Yeah. Like here are the rules of the game so that they can get whatever their arguments. Like it's, it's 10% some actual genuine disagreement about something and 90% emotional ping pong. Yeah. And if you get all the way to the other side, every couple who, who has a round of getting, getting angry, getting to the place where this is a deal breaker and getting all the way to the other side of it. Um, where they actually resolve it, they're a thousand times closer and they've developed skills so that the next time they're in a deal breaker situation, they know they're capable of getting all the way to the other side of it and get closer and the bond just gets stronger. So that's what I, that's what I aim for. Yeah. I think that's, um, a really important part of this conversation because I'm imagining that, true confidence in a relationship is is exactly what you described which is i have confidence in us being able to get through conflict i have the confidence that we can have a repair conversation that actually gets all the way to the repair it seems to me like a lot of couples never actually do that that there are all of these hurts that stay unresolved sometimes for years and they never actually get all the way through it like you're describing. And that's part of what poisons the whole thing, which right. leads to not confidence in the relationship. And when I can only speak as a woman, when I don't have confidence in the relationship, that's when my worst parts come out. That's when I get angry and mean and vindictive and all of the sort of negative angry parts of the feminine for me that's when they come out is if I really look back I'm like I didn't have the confidence in our relationship 
not just in myself, but that, that we as a couple could navigate hurt and come through it. Like I didn't have that confidence. So I think that's an important part of the, I don't know, the discussion about confidence. And I would imagine if I were a man, knowing that I could do that, that I had the skills to navigate that kind of thing in a relationship, that would give me deep confidence. Totally. Yeah, the lead, the last thing you want, if you're built, if you are with someone and you're like, you know, this is someone I think I want to be with, you know, like I actually want to start building a real honest God, long-term relationship with like a life, possibly a lifetime, a lifelong relationship. And you're, you're thinking long-term. The last thing that either of you wants is some topic that's so chargy for you that it's off limits. Like you do not, you, that is, that is death. It is death to have some topic that's so unresolvable or so chargy for both of you that you can't talk about it. That those are the ones I, that we go to first. We're we're gonna fucking figure this fucking shit out. <laughs> yeah. Like, and and after a while, that's the state they're in. It's like I am. I th- this is un, unacceptable. I feel like leaving. Like this is a deal breaker for me in terms of this relationship. And and we are gonna fucking figure this shit out. Yeah. We're getting through it. You know. And it's that it's that dedicated. Like I'm in. You know. Yeah. That I help couples get to by having a series of these experiences where they go all the way into the, the intensity of it and they get all the way to the other side and then they know that they can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something we're going to have a future episode about. Um, just that experience of having a third person in the room to hold mm-hmm. space for a couple. I think that's something that's really critical. And mm-hmm. it seems to me that in our culture, we wait until it's absolutely critical to go see a couple's counselor. (laughs) And I'm not sure that's the best strategy. It seems to me that because both people do get triggered in a relationship, it's really smart to have a coach, a third party, someone else holding space in the room that isn't triggered that can help the two people navigate. Because I think a lot of us, we feel like we should be able to do it on our own or we should be able to figure this out. We should be able to do it ourselves. And the truth is, even when you're a very advanced couple, you've done a lot of personal growth work, you're really you know, spiritual, you're attuned, all that stuff, there is still immense value to having a third person, a third nervous system, someone else holding space in the room for the two of you. There's still something that just changes the molecules in the room to have that and to help them, to have that person help guide that couple. We're going to come back to that because I think that's something that kind of gets lost in the conversation that we, we do all sort of, there is an expectation that we can all do it ourselves, that as a couple, we should be able to resolve this ourselves. And sometimes, sometimes you can't, sometimes you need that third person. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, um, as we wrap up here, is there anything else that you would say for men that do want to date and have relationships with powerful women? Is there any other advice that you would give them kind of as concrete takeaways from this conversation? Uh, figure out what it takes for you to feel good about yourself. So you're not trying to source that from her, right? You're not trying to get her to be the source of how you feel about yourself mm-hmm. and you can show up, you know, and, and start to pay attention to all the, all the ways that you kind of ignore that little, that little whisper, that little spidey sense 
that tells you what to do and start doing it. Like be willing to make spectacular blunders and, and mm. spectacular blunders. Just by just by trusting, trying, falling flat on your face, and learning and and honing and polishing that that inner compass. Mm. I like that. Be willing to make spectacular blunders. <laughs> and um, I'm just trying this out as like a kind of like a final question for guests. I'm curious, what is one of the most memorable pieces of feedback or moments of feedback a woman has given you that sort of changed your world? Um, okay. I don't know that it fits the format of the question, but there's a, this huge thing that stands out for me, which was a moment when I first, 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 first started like learning the stuff that I now know. When I was having a conversation with a woman, I realized that every time I had ever thought, like seriously thought about kissing a woman and had wondered about it, like, is she, what would she think? Is she, is she thinking about it too? Every single time I had that impulse to kiss a woman, no doubt in my mind, she was thinking about it too. She was hoping that I would like, there, I didn't, I never, ever, ever felt that, mm. that it wasn't. She wasn't, I wasn't, you know, she's already in her mind, kissed me, fucked me, you know, turned me into, into either a creepy guy or rapist or, or marriageable material. Like she's, she's so far along in, in thinking of thinking it through and feeling into it. By the time I'm feeling, I think it's time for me to kiss her and I'm doubting it. She's definitely feeling that too like I've never felt that that it wasn't coming from her as well Mm, yeah so sort of like the way that you were reading her was actually true that it wasn't something that you were you were making up or something like she was already ahead of you in feeling that same thing yeah right cool that's a cool one thank you um Yeah. yeah this was a really really great conversation. I really appreciated, especially the part about all the little acts of being honest, adding up to confidence and integrity. I, there's something I really love about that. And especially as a woman, I can say, I feel validated on behalf of (laughs) that woman kind of picking something up and then you not saying something and, and then coming back and saying, actually, this is what happened. I was texting my ex and there was some charge and I would trust you more. And I just, I feel really validated because I think I've been in that circumstance with lots of guys where I picked something up, I was picking something up and they denied it. And I did feel a little crazy and I did feel even more anxious. And so it was really validating to have you describe that and take responsibility. And I'm, I'm really, I'm glad to know that, that men like you are out there and that, you know, you of your own volition were taking those small acts all the time to be responsible for what was actually going on and be honest, even if it was uncomfortable. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. All right. That wraps up another episode and we can drop in the end notes here. That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. 
We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.